Happy 4th, everybody. All right, here we go. We've got Alex Caruso on his career. What's up with the Bulls and getting into fights a couple times? Nothing too crazy. And life advice. Enjoy the holiday. It's Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Alex Caruso, the Bulls, hanging out with us. Uh, Great story. Great success story. I'm really happy for him and all the stuff that's gone down. Incredible defensive player on top of everything else. A lot of stuff I don't want to get to. Alex, when you are at this part of the season with all the free agency stuff, the trades, like how much do you pay attention to it? Do Do you grade the trades with teammates or buddies when you see another team make a move? It, it maybe not as in depth as uh, you know some of these these big big networks do, but I mean there's definitely basketball talk between you know between teammates and just in general. Um, most of the league, I'd say I'd say I'd say probably majority of the league, at least you know in my experience, are like basketball junkies. Uh, like me and me and Demar texted all throughout the playoffs just about different series, how we thought it was going to go, and then just randomly we'll text each other out of the blue. And, be like comparing somebody's careers like who had the better career who would you take here and here so most of it gets talked about but but not quite you know to the scrutiny or in depth of uh you know maybe some of these these networks or or radio shows do i don't know how much you can share because you know get you're in a league with other people but what are what are the texts like with you and DeRozan when you're watching is there one team you were both right on both wrong on like as it was developing what, what are those moments like when you guys are watching it it's it's pretty fifty fifty. Usually, usually it was just you know it'll be stuff about like matchups of series during the playoffs, um, calling how many games a series is going to go. Uh, you know, just talking about different guys' games and how it, you know, they either do or don't fit. Which you know we won't get to particulars about that. But uh, I think he called. Uh, I think he called. He called the finals. Finals was five games, right? Yeah, yeah. Five. yeah, he called five. I thought it was going to go six. Uh, it, it, it's it's just a lot of fun for us because he's, I mean, he's as much a basketball junkie as anybody. And, and he, he, I think he knows that, that I'm the same way. So we just, we get into deep conversations about basketball. We've done a lot of stuff during the year, like a couple team flights, like do your top five, sh- like small forwards all time, point guards, stuff like that. It's just, you know, it, for us, it's, it's, you know, a drug to just talk about basketball. What did you guys think about Miami's run, considering how your playing game went? I'm just wondering, like, if I was wrong about him, I just didn't think they were talented enough to make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah. But 
what did what did you think as that was happening? They, they I mean, they just kind of hoodwinked everybody throughout the whole year. Like they almost took on, you know, the persona of Jimmy, because uh, Jimmy kind of he doesn't coast through the regular season. Like he's still, you know, an all star caliber caliber player. But like when he gets to the playoffs, he he turns it up a notch. And like their team this year almost like took on that persona because when we played him during a regular season, I mean, we, I want to say we were three and zero against them. And in one of the games we played at home, like we, we beat them pretty easily. Um, as far as, you know, NBA basketball standards, but man, they just, they, they, they got hot at the right time. Guys started trusting, you know, what they were doing. And then the matchups I thought were really good. And, and you know, you hear people talk about that in the playoffs so much like matchups matter I thought they just kept getting good matchups and then guys just played, you know, di- different guys. Each, each series kind of stepped up for him. Um, you know, Duncan didn't really have too much of an impact at all going in into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden he has a couple of big series. Gabe Benson started playing incredible in that New York Knicks series. Um, and then they just, you know, they got steady play from Bam, Kalo, uh, Jimmy did, did what Jimmy did to kind of, you know, get them through the Milwaukee series. Uh, it was just an incredible run. You know, it's one of those things where you get hot at the right time, like you see sometimes in March Madness, but, you know, it's even more impressive because, you know, they're series. It's not one-and-done games. I, I think sometimes teams or players will, like, look at who they lost to and then go, oh, hey, you know, because your regular season probably was disappointing. Um, there's certainly injuries, whether, you know, the, the Lonzo thing's another thing that I want to ask you about at some point. But I, I, I there'll be teams or certain guys that'll be like, well, look, we were that close. We could the playing game could have gone our way, and they went to the NBA Finals. So that tells us by proxy like that we're close. When I hear that stuff, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if you should be doing that. I, I'm yeah, wondering. I'm, I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. There's, there's, there's. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like the butterfly effect. Like you, you put yourself in that situation. But I mean, I, I'll take it even one step further back. Like I, as soon as we lost the playing game, the season's over. You know, I'm thinking about the two games we lost to Orlando this year game against Oklahoma city at home. We lost game at San Antonio early in the game, early in the year we lost. Like there's four games, four games right there where I can count where it's like, those are, you know, those are, those are probably you count them as wins on the schedule. You know, maybe OKC is a little, a little, a little out of the ordinary than, than those other two teams. But um, we lost to the Rockets at home in a bad game. I, I didn't play in that. I was sitting out, but you know, still have plenty, plenty of talent to beat them mess around with the game, they get hot late, lose a game. Like that's four games where we go from being the whatever she, what were we, the 11 um, to where we're maybe not even in the plan. And then it's like, you, you don't even have to worry about winning those two games. So that's, that's kind of where my mind went whenever, whenever I saw, you know, once the season was over, but it, yeah, you can't, you can't just, you know, you can't just erase and fill and put your name in there and be like, yeah, we would have beat Milwaukee and then beat New York and then beat Boston. Like that's a, that's a tall task to do. And you kind of have to give Miami their credit for, for going in there and doing it. The bulls get off to that really good start uh, a couple of years ago, you know, and then it was like, all right. And it was fun. There was a stretch there where it was really fun. Like I'd watch you guys on a Saturday night at home in Chicago. It, it really is still one of the best places. Yeah. The atmosphere for uh, all of it. Best. It really is, you know, and I'm like watching it and I felt like Bulls fans in a way were deprived because of the Derrick Rose thing and the Butler split up and then they're like trying to figure out if 
again on the fly. The Levine mm-hmm. thing works out. The DeRozan contract's incredible. The Vooch trade, you know, it's a tough one, but I get he's a talented guy. Then you come along, Lonzo's there, and it felt like, hey, you know what? The Bulls are at least going to be competitive between the injuries, the second half of last year, and then this year. Like, do you have any sense of who you are as an organization? Like, who you are as a team? I mean, I, I do. I think I have the vision of what it's supposed to be. And, you know, obviously missing Zoe is a huge piece of that. Uh, just because, you know, like we said, we, I think we shocked everybody in the league when we were sitting at first place halfway through the year, that first year when, when everyone signed in the offseason. Um, and it was just clicking. Like Zoe's game fits so well next to DeMar and Zach and Booch. Um, and then we had, you know, great role players, young young players that, you know, Pat Williams, uh, Io played played probably better than a rookie would his first year, and then Kobe White just continuing to grow and get better for us that year. Um, I thought I thought we had a really, you know, when, when you look at all the boxes you need to check for being a good team, I thought we had a lot of them checked. Um, could score in different ways, could play in a half court. So me on defense, kind of disrupting, letting us get out in transition, getting easy buckets there, and then you know we. we we just everybody that you know whether you want to call it deficiency or maybe just you know a skill that guys aren't as good at like we kind of covered each other up in the areas that we needed to and and it just for me it was flowing really good um and then obviously like you said you know unfortunate situation with zoe where there's kind of you know just a bunch of question marks around that but um i think as far as who we want to be i I think we know who we want to be you know it's just professional sports it's about showing up every day and doing it you know, like you, you can be at your best. And we kind of proved that the two seasons, like the, the first season I was here, we beat all the teams that are 500 or below. Like our record against them was phenomenal and we couldn't beat any of the good teams. And then last year, a record against the top six, seven, eight teams, or maybe even less, like top five, six teams of each, each conference was above 500. And then the teams that were, you know, below 500 on record, we, we struggled against. So it's kind of just that putting it all together thing, um, finding the roles to to make up for the, the holes that, that we're missing with Zoe and then just competing and playing every night because that's, you know, that's half the battle of professional sports. How is Lonzo? He's been great when I've seen him um, as far as, you know, spirit and, and going to work. You know, that's kind of all you can do in that position. You know, you can't really – you can't force anything when it comes to injuries, right? Like you, you just, the body has to heal and then you can get back out there and play. And that's one of those things where it's been healing. And then I think there's been setbacks and he's trying to, trying to get back to healing again. Um, for his sake, I hope he can just play basketball again, man. Cause his, you know, going back to what we said about me and DeMar, I think he's the same way where he just, he's just a hooper at heart. Like he, he would just play basketball at the park and play pickup with, with his friends. If that was kind of, you know, what his life life path was. He just happens to be really, really good and playing the NBA. Um, but yeah, for him, man, I hope he can just get back and play because I know how much he enjoys it. And, you know, he's just, he's a really good player when he gets out there. I love your story. I think we all love underdogs. And, you know, coming out of school, you know, granted, I watched you in college, you're like, all right, you know, undrafted. And I know you had to mess around with G League a little bit. And then, I don't know. I don't remember the game, but I just remember like there was a moment where you were with the Lakers. You're like, wait, is he actually kind of good? What was the moment for you? I mean, everybody, some people are honest with the answer. Some people aren't. Um, 
you know, some people say I never had any doubts and there's other people are like, I didn't know, you know, like what was that, that path like for you of kind of understanding how you fit into the NBA? Yeah, I think for, honestly, it was, it was kind of in stages, even from, you know, going all the way back to like high school. Like I was a good, I was a good player as a, as a young kid. Like there was like whispers of me being on varsity early as a, as a high school player. And then I was like, two weeks on JV, I got bumped up. So I played four years of varsity high school basketball. And then like into my junior and senior, I was like, oh, I could probably play D1 basketball. And then at the end, it's like, oh, I could play high major D1 basketball. And then once I got to college, it just reset because I was, I was skinny. I was, you know, trying to catch up athletic wise, trying to catch up to the speed of the game. First two years, I'm just trying to get on the court, play on the team. And then like later, and it's like, oh, I could probably play professional basketball. And then you know, at the end of my senior year, it's like, oh, I have 10, 11 NBA team workouts. And then from there, it's just make the decision if I want to try and, you know, make it to the NBA and like make my stamp there, go overseas and start a career. And I just decided like, I might as well, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to live myself. If I don't stay here and give it a shot and see what happens. And I just kept getting better and better. That summer league where, uh, we're actually, I actually posted about it. I think it was House of Highlights had something about our summer league team that 2017 year, the year that Zoe, Josh Hart, Kuz all got drafted. B.I. was on the team. Um, Zubak, Thomas Bryant, me, Vanderblue. We, we had a bunch of guys. It was just a crazy team. And they all got hurt. And then I started playing really well. I had that come, that that kind of breakout game against De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and the Kings. Then we get to the two-way and it's like, my first actual like real NBA experience, right? Like I went to training camp with the Thunder, but I didn't really get to do anything. I was the last guy on the training camp roster. Um, and it just slowly but surely, I like would like just play, just kind of like naively just play basketball and, and, and kind of do what I could do. And then I realized I was like, oh, I, I could, I could play here. Like this is something I could actually do. And the confidence just grows and, and I just kept getting better and better. Um, I would probably say at the end of my first year on two ways, probably the, the, the moment where I was like, yeah, I, I like, I, I can play in the NBA and I need to be here because I kind of felt like I maxed out playing in the G league after a full year G league and a full year two way. I was, I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't able to take the steps to get better at that point. Like I needed reps playing at NBA speed against NBA size, you know, with the different, just the difference between the G league and the NBA. So I'd say probably the end of my first year in two way. That was, that was when I was like, yeah, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Shout out to Vander blue, by the way. Yeah. VZ, um, he's the G league, one of the all time great G league players, dude, just max out the G league for a handful of years. His Wikipedia is like an encyclopedia when you have to keep up with all the teams cutter currently, uh, by the way, I believe. All right. So, Give me, give me this answer. This is what I really want. Give me the, the transition from two way. Who's this guy again, teammate of LeBron to then LeBron's like, Oh wait, (laughs) this guy's going to be somebody I have in the rotation. Somebody I actually trust, you know, does the right things. What is that relationship transformation like? That was, so I want to say bronze first year was my second year on two way. Because the first year, yeah. Yeah. So he, that's right. Cause they made the trade and, and BI and Josh and all them, all them 
Wait a second. I'm trying to remember now. Bronze Bronze first year was eighteen. Eighteen nine. Yeah. So my second year on two way. Yeah. Cause 17, 18, 18, 19. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the same thing towards the end of the year. You know, they, the team wasn't, you know, in the spot where they wanted to be or like push for a playoff spot just before the playing game. So I got called up and bronze bronze. So he's playing because he just is a freak and plays basketball every, every day of the week. And we started playing together and, my IQ on like what I was seeing and how it he was seeing was kind of similar. Obviously he's a lot smarter at that time and like still now, but I was able to read the game based off of the openings that kind of how teams would guard him. You know, like I'm coming off a pick and roll with him setting. They're not worried about me. They're worried about him. So I'm just walking to the lane, shooting layups. Um, when he has the ball, everyone's staring. I'm a good cutter. So I'm making off ball cuts. He's a phenomenal passer, so he's hitting me easy layups. It was just one of those things where where my game really complimented him. Um, and the things that I could do, I think, just fit in well. And and I think he started to realize that over those last couple of games when there maybe wasn't as much, you know, high IQ basketball being played around him that that, that season as, as he would like. And I think it was kind of a – a fresh take for him to realize like, Oh, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to play. Like he knows how to play the game. You might as well keep him around. And, and, you know, obviously that then I went to summer league and kind of moseyed my way through the second summer league after my second year in two way, just like, all right, I'm ready to play in the NBA. And, and then I signed with him for those two years. Does he get mad at you as a teammate? Like I'm sure you've had all sorts of teammates. He, Everybody that I've ever heard that coach or play with him, like, no, this isn't BS. Like, he really does see the game in a in a special way. And you're even smiling right now. So, you know, for yeah, the I mean, audio audience. Wolf, eventually, there's going to be a wolf. Like, so many people <laughs> say it. Like, it's got to right. be true. Yeah, so, dude- what is that? Give me, do you have a story? Is there an example of that where you were like, whoa? Because um, I had a coach, like, recently explained to me, he said how, like LeBron was understanding the TV timeout length so that he then he would sub himself out yeah, knowing sure. that he was, right he would know I'm not I'm not missing a ton of game time but in real time it's like I'm getting two extra breaks yeah, he'll 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 sub out the first we used to do that he would he would sub out first AD would play the whole first quarter he would sub out you know the last I don't know it was 30 seconds before the 2 minute timeout so then he's getting right. you know the 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 two minutes and 15 seconds of game time, that's what he's missing. But in totality, he's getting like eight minutes of 10 minutes of a real rest. But I, I think the thing for me and, and Rondo had a little bit of play in this too, was just the level of detail on scouting, you know, whether it was, whether it was knowing, you know, coaches tendencies after timeouts, whether it was knowing, um, you know, different plays that these guys have been running the beginning of the third quarter different uh personnel stuff like that's one of the things that i think has helped me become you know one of the better defenders in the nba first team all defense last year was just the knowledge of all the people in the league like i know i know who likes to go left i know who likes to go right i know who doesn't want to get to the rim and wants to shoot in the mid-range i know what happens if i crowd this guy and make him turn baseline like all these little details about guys that i learned from you know the details of Frank Vogel's scouts, uh, you know, the, the 
the schemes that we used to come up with when I was in LA and then just the knowledge of Braun, like he would just add stuff here and there that was just like, oh, I didn't know that. It's like, oh, I, I guess that guy does only like to go left and shoot pull-ups or if he goes right, he's going to get to the rim. Like little stuff like that where I didn't understand or I didn't know that you could have that in-depth of knowledge. You know, it was almost like going from like the G League or college to an NBA level of like mental processing to where it was like, oh, I can get better in that area too. And that was something for me that was really fun because we talked about before, I'm a basketball junkie. So like if I if I can know stuff that, you know, other people don't know or these guys that I'm guarding don't know, that's just, you know, another another bullet in the chamber for me. And that was something for him that I was really, really impressed by. All right, let's talk about some of the guys that you go up against because I don't always mm-hmm. remember, especially as we're almost in July, like what your primary assignment on the opposition would be all the time. But you were incredible defensively this year and you could see it. And then you look at the numbers and you're going, man, like this is like another level of what are you doing? So um, do they put you on SGA? Yeah, I mean, everybody and I've guarded everybody. I, I, I SGA, okay, so he's, what, he's, man, he's one of the tougher ones in the league that doesn't get talked about enough. I think he moves so well on the court, but there's also this thing where I feel like he's just going to get deeper than you want him to, and you're not really going to be able to do anything. And then he stops and he goes slower than everybody else, like at the rim, still calculating like which angle he's going to take off from. There's just so much that's being thrown at you that's beyond just, hey, I'm really quick off my first step and, and power dribble in. I, I don't need, you're right. Like, I, I want to ask you about him because the whole, the whole palette of what he can throw at you seems ridiculous. I mean, he averaged 30 a game in the, in the NBA and, and 24, 25, I think he is. Like, that's that, that's not from predetermining anything. Like, he can, he can shoot threes. He can shoot in the mid-range. He can get fouled. He can play in the little six, eight-foot floater range, and then he can get to the rim and finish. Um, one of the things you see with some of the best scorers in the league is like they they'll average five, six, seven, eight three free throw attempts per game. So right there, they're already at, you know, they're shooting 80%. They're at six points there. So now they're getting 24. Let's say they make three threes. Right. Now they're only making five other shots in the game outside of, you know, their their free throws and their threes. And he's one of the ones that, you know, the way the way Mark Dagnall set up that offense for, you know, it's just read, react, create closeouts. Like playing off playing off closeout as the defender in the NBA is like one of the hardest things to do, right? Because you're usually you're usually traveling a handful of steps, stopping stopping on a dime, and then this guy who knows what he wants to do, who can you know now that we're in the current NBA, can shoot threes, can dribble, and can pass. Like that's how OKC is set up. It, it just it it's hard for you to take all that away and then worry about this guy that's shooting, you know whatever his splits are and scoring 30 a game. Um, but he just makes great reads, you know, whatever you kind of give him, that's what he takes. And then even then, if you're like square in front of him, he's stronger than he looks. And he's, and he's, I mean, he's six, 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 seven with a, whatever wingspan, you know, like I'm six, five with a six, five wingspan. Like I'm, I have decent size for a guard in the league, but he's, he's more of like a big guard wing size playing point guard. So he, he can kind of just, I don't think he really has a deficiency in his game. And and that's kind of what makes him, you know, that's what makes the guys in the league that are elite elite. That's, that's what makes them so hard to guard is because 
they can score at all three levels. They can get fouled. And then the guys that don't predetermine what they're going to do, that's when, for me as a defender, it's like, okay, now I, you, you got to pay attention and, and really try to like make life hard for them or else they're just going to get 30, 35. I imagine you'd still rather deal with him than like getting switched to Luca, right? Dude, I mean, there's there's no right answer to that, you know. Like, I mean, they 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 both have it's it's a different game for each of them, right? Luke is a little more methodical, almost uh, almost like almost like Joker, where it's like it, it it lulls you to sleep, like it's almost lazy. And then he uses his size. I mean, Luke is six seven, two hundred something pounds. Like he he's a big guy. Like that's why he takes when you put little guards on him, he just takes him to the to the post and just you know turns into Dirk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I don't think that there's a right answer. That's like asking me any, you know, any guard all-star in the league. Wing yeah. Guard right. No. It's like, there's no right answer. Right. Yeah. I guess it shouldn't, cause that's not fair. Cause then you, you know, if you're like, actually, Luke, I kind of figured him out a little bit. And, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know <laughs> stuff about everybody, but there's, you know, I mean, there's, there's a class of 10, 15 guys in the league where it's like, you can play perfect defense. They still are probably going to score. Where's uh, Jamal Murray on that right now? Because he's everybody's favorite now that he has a ring. Yeah, man, Jamal's been so good for a couple of years now. He's he's one of the he's one of the underrated guys in the league that doesn't get talked about enough. Probably just because you know Joker is such a good player and like such a historically, you know, he's he's going to be first ballot whenever he's done playing. But Jamal, man, the the, the tandem of them two and in, in the sets that they run in Denver. It's just it's just hard for you to stay in front because Jamal's another guy that can kind of do it all. Like he he can he can shoot threes off the dribble, he can shoot threes off the movement, he can get to the mid-range and shoots his little one foot kind of quirky like half spin. Uh, and then he can get into the paint and he can get fouled. So uh, it, you know, for him too, the dudes that play in Denver, like their conditioning's just, you know elite like just naturally like they have that they have that little bit of advantage and the way that denver plays like there's so much movement and there's so much off ball stuff and and joker is such a good passer that everything's live so like you 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 never rest on defense and jamal is just moving 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 like people talk about steph moving and and steph's movement is like kind of off ball mostly but they're running stuff for jamal to where it's like he's faking a faking a back screen, slipping it, coming off a pin down with Joker. And it's like, if you go under, he's going to shoot the three. If you trail, he's just going to keep going. Joker might fake it to him. Now he's throwing it over the top. It's just, there's, there's so much freedom for them in that offense that it makes it really hard to, it makes it hard to predict and it makes it hard to kind of like funnel guys into areas. All right. I love that answer because now we're, we're talking about something too, where, you know, I've been probably yelling at this, this, uh, this point too long but just you know the golden state part of it where they keep playing to the end of the shot clock right play through the possession just keep moving like why would you run your first thing and then if it doesn't work then everybody stop but like it's also going to be nights where you don't have it there's gonna be plenty of possessions throughout the season hundreds and hundreds of possessions where you just don't feel great about it but are you surprised even with 30 nba teams that they'll still feel like there's certain teams where you go and thinking about your defensive game plan where you're like you know what these guys kind of run the first action and then it's kind of over and that's what they do i think it's surprising at least for me from the outside that i'll see even at this level a handful of teams where i'm like you guys can't get your guys to just keep moving still and i don't know it seems like just there's some offenses that are a little easy to prepare for i think that's still it's it's a bit of a generational transition thing because a lot of uh a, a lot of 
you know, teens basketball, um, you, you know, even, even earlier than that, it was all based around like getting your guy, the ball in an isolation and, and letting him get his shot up. And there's still a lot of that in the NBA, but majority of it now just, you know, people are looking at the analytics. They're looking at the stats. It's like the, the more passes you make per possession and the longer you wait in the shot clock, more times than not, you, you shoot a higher points per possession or you're, you're going to score and shoot better percentages. Um, we, we've talked about that with our team before with the Bulls. It's like the times we come down and, and we've had like, I don't know what, how many passes it was. B- Billy's had his analytics guy put it up on the screen before. It was like possessions where it's like over – three and a half passes or something like that. We shoot like 15% higher. And it's like, it's just about committing to that and making sure, you know, you're, you're trying to do that every time. And obviously it's an imperfect game, right? There's some games where you're going to have more fast break possessions and some games you're going to play against a team that doesn't crash. So you're going to have to play against a half court offense and the numbers might be skewed. But for the most part, that that's kind of the most potent offenses in the leagues. The one that, the one that rely on movement and the ones that can, you know, space the floor correctly and just open it up for, for guys to get easy shots inside and then shoot threes. Okay. I want to ask about two plays. I was watching the clips again this morning. Mm -hmm. Were you more mad about the Grayson Allen foul or campaign after the Chris Paul LeBron thing? Oh, wait a second. The Chris, you were in Phoenix LeBron was at the free throw line. Chris Paul went to box him out. He took shooter, but he he took him from behind. LeBron fell down. May not have been as hurt as it looked. I know he's never done that uh, before. I know you're talking and then about. campaign he, yeah, yeah, yeah. chucks you, and then you throw the ball back at campaign. I would admit campaign. I'd have a hard time with him pushing me down to the ground. And then Montrez came over and pushed Cam, and then Payne flopped. It was uh, see like Grayson. That was nasty and dirty and dangerous, and it yeah, no, 100% that one. Okay, hundred <laughs> percent, dude. I was, I was, I was just. That was the thing about that season too. Is like, I, I was just coming off of, uh, I was coming off of like a little hamstring tweak at the end of like middle of December, and I was just getting back into it. And like my second or third day back to practice, I got COVID. So then I missed another 10, 13 days. And then that was my second game back after COVID. And like team was doing so good beginning of the year. Now we're kind of hitting a wall and it's like, I need to get back out there. Like I can somewhat like write the ship and help some of these guys that are like struggling with some of the stuff we're trying to do. And then second game go down and just obviously it happens. You know, the crazy thing people don't talk about enough this is probably a pat on the back for me. It's like, I finished the game. I finished the game. I actually made a three. I don't think I made a, like I didn't shoot very well. And then I think Chris was guarding me Middleton and he was playing so far off because my wrist was obviously just, it was taped and it looked bad. And I just ego shot it and it went in. And after the game, I'm like dapping everybody up left-handed and I'm like, ah, dude, this is going to be sprained for like a week. Like, this isn't going to be good. Like, I'm not going to be able to play. And then I wake up the next morning in Orlando and I can't brush my teeth. And like, I try to take a shower and I can't like touch my body at all. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not a sprain. Something's not right with that. And then I'm I was, six and a half weeks. I was so mad. I was watching at home. And at this point, you know, I've kind of had it with Grayson Allen. And like, what did you go past him in the line? I forget. When talking about after the game, when you're dapping up everybody, you had to have, right? 
Well, well no, it's line. not high there's school. There's no line in professional sports. Yeah, what am I talking about? When you said the yeah, when you said the DAP part, I was like, oh. Well, I because yeah. I know a couple guys on the team. Right. Like I obviously know Chris, and then I played against uh, I played against Bobby in college a couple of times. It's just like a checking in, like you know. Yeah, right, right. What am I thinking? I, I don't know why I like let that stay healthy kind of thing. Um, yeah, my wrist and I'm lying, saying it's okay. <laughs> well, can't wait to see you guys back out there. Um, I know that feels like the season just ended uh, in a way, but maybe it's felt longer for you. But it's it's been fun seeing your career take off, man, in a great city like Chicago. So thanks. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me on. It's felt like a year and a half since the season's been over for me. <laughs> Slightly longer. Slightly yeah, longer it's felt for like you. forever. Well, we'll see. We'll see how many new teammates you have. Thanks again. Yeah, appreciate it, man. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate, hate, is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season? Throw in a little... Something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. 
Life Advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. What up, Steve? What up, Kyle? All right, here we go. Um, the first one here, dating app issues here. Had my wife create a dating app profile to look at my friend's accounts. Huh. Okay. What? Let's get into it. Let's just read it. Hey, guys, no basketball comp to give you, but my character comp is a mix of Kramer and Logan Roy. What? Yeah. Do we discuss it or we just keep moving? (laughs) I don't have it in me. Okay. Which means I have a ruthless drive for what I want, but have some outlandish ideas and character quirks. This might have been what led to my current predicament. Okay. Okay. He did a good job of explaining it. I just don't think of those two people as like, you know what I mean? It'd be like, I'd say avocado and something else, but everybody uses avocado and everything. It'd be like hot sauce on cookies and cream ice cream. Like, it's just a weird kind of like. Like a fish and a bird. It's like, I don't, those are just the two different Or a things. fish and a bird. Yeah. Good. Good. I have a few friends who have been single for years now. And when me and my wife ask if they are seeing anyone, it is always no. I ask if they are on any dating sites and they say yes, but they aren't having any luck on them. Curious as to what they would write as their profile and what photos they use. Me and my wife decided to snoop on them after a few drinks at Jazz Fest because you have to verify you were using uh, your real using social media. I couldn't just create a burner account. So she created a profile. And we quickly got to work knowing their age and where they live. We were able to use the settings to narrow down the number of people uh, we had to swipe to find them. It was actually super fun to do together and provided some of the deepest laughing I've done in a long time because of how stupid these profiles were. Uh, well, must be nice, happy guy, huh? Some people are out there <laughs> fucking still on the hunt. Yeah. Tooth and nail. Come on, Actually, man. that does sound like a good like husband-wife activity. But it you is, are, yeah. You know. right. anyway. I'd get in on that. As expected, maybe not. Let's see where the story goes. As expected, my friend's profiles were not interesting, bad pictures, and now I get why they are getting no play. No play. Uh, The problem arises because one of these guys saw her profile in the hour or so it was up and sent me a voice note saying, I'm sorry to bring it up, but I saw your wife on Hinge. (laughs) Big swiper, these guys. (laughs) Swiping at all hours. (laughs) That is is a Kramer-esque predicament. She's on Hinge? I told him we were looking (laughs) for a different friend's profile together as a couple, but he replied, let me know if you need to talk. Oh, man. Now you're the guy everyone feels bad for. (laughs) I'm concerned he brings it up to others. I don't want my wife to look like she is a wandering eye or others to know I'm snooping on their dating profiles. How can I get this guy to never bring it up to anyone? I feel like telling someone to not tell anyone makes them want to tell someone more. Yeah, I mean, if you go with option B, where you're like, look, my wife and I created the profile so we could look at all of your profiles. So we could, you probably want to leave out the part where you're hysterically laughing at everybody's lack of companionship, but, um, they're definitely telling other people there's no, that's not staying in the vault, right? I mean, you may have that, you may have that one vault friend. Like I have one that's like super vault and I'll go like, wait, you not telling me this is actually a, like way worse than you betraying the person you don't even like. Like, you need to tell me this, right? So anyway, uh, this is going to be shared. So there's a downside there. I mean, the ultimate downside is that Zion Williamson is a match for your wife. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait, what's going on here? Um, so that's that we can eliminate that one. Uh, 
I don't know. Can't you can't you and your wife just laugh hysterically about this? Like, doesn't it really only matter that you two know it? Or I, I don't know, like Saruti, I guess like knowing you and your wife and how com uh I would say you're very com I don't know. Like This is something we would do. Yeah, this is something really? you would do. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're yeah, just I'm compatible. Kind of compatible is what I'm thinking of, right? You're very yeah. compatible. You would do it. And then I would think if it if it went down that road with one of your buddies, I you would just tell your buddy, hey, dude, this is what happened. And I, he, I guess he would believe you. But I also think there's a part of you and your wife where you would think it was the funniest thing ever that people thought she was actually stepping out and on hinge. Like, no, you just I don't. You wouldn't care. I don't think. No, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I think I think we wouldn't think it was that big. Like we would keep it a secret that yeah, we were on snooping on them. And as soon as we got caught, we'd be like, yeah, because because the lesser of two evils, I'd rather my friend know that we were kind of snooping on their dating profile versus them telling other people and the word spreading that my wife might be cheating on me. So I feel like I don't think Maddie would be super pumped if people were spreading rumors. I think it's on like, the Reddit, you know, around the, the town <laughs> open for business or whatever. So I think the lesser of two evils is just like, tell your buddy what you were doing. Um, and unless your wife just doesn't care and you don't care, then that's fine. But I know that like me personally, and I know my wife, Maddie, I don't think she'd want, I don't think she'd want people to even think that she was snooping around because it's just, I don't know. It's just not a good look. Yeah, not good. I, I think this is, it's interesting because it's, it's a, it's a something that I think I would be curious about. Like I've got friends who post mostly on Twitter that are just, it's like, look at this dude, my buddy posted another dumb thing. I'm probably that friend for a lot of people, but there's some people that are even, uh, for me, are, it's like dumb things. Usually talk about like how cool they are or how girls ain't shit or how this or how that. It's like, it's just like, wow, this is a guy who posts the shit that just, it's, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. I see your thoughts and they're dumb. I like you, but what you're saying to the world is dumb. And so I, I've always like, be interesting to be like, what does that guy what does that guy's dating profile look like? Because that's something your buddies never see, right? Why would they ever see it? So, like, I can understand the the urge to want to know what that guy's putting out to the world, uh, especially if it's like, you know, I'd like my dumb Twitter buddies. They'd be like, "What are what are you what are you show? What's the face you show to to women? Because whatever you're showing on Twitter is crazy." So, I get the idea of wanting to see it, but I mean, why couldn't you have just made a fucking new like Facebook or something? Can't you just do that like in a second? Why did you have to use your wife's thing and have it out there? It's just crazy. That's what I, I thought think originally. Just, that's what I thought. Poor, I thought, I thought. Poor execution. I thought they originally just created a fake profile because that's, you know, I've told this story before, but back when I invented catfishing with my friends in like, you know, high school, we before just created fake. Gambling, we just, yeah. We, yeah. And I saw, yeah, I've done a lot of things in my life. Uh, we, we just created fake MySpace profiles. Like it wasn't, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, you know, created any new social media profiles. Yeah. Well, that's maybe a catfish good. game. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> could, yeah, wait, could, uh, could they have just used her stuff, her email, and then just did a different profile picture? No, because I think old... you have to use... I, 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 listen, this is how it was in Tinder when I was using it in, what, 2013, maybe? Um, you had to use photos from your profile. Like, you couldn't just upload photos that weren't, like, pictures that you had on Facebook. Yeah, but then originally. you just make a new Facebook. There's like a billion maybe. accounts on Facebook. Why can't you make what just it's just like another minute before you make yeah. your hinge thing yeah, just create instead a, of Gmail. just using putting your wife out there and everyone within a 25 mile radius can see that she's on there. I mean, crazy. Yeah. What was the end game? I guess. Yeah. Because like the whole point was <laughs> that see. you were going to match to up see. with the wife with your wife was going to match up with the friend. She was going to know your friend was going to know. It doesn't seem like this. Well, was I don't a well think they matched, thing. right? It was. Oh, is they it, had, they yeah, but I bet you without this, matching. 
Honestly, though, I bet you the app, when she starts like filtering down her options so that they could find the friends, that then she becomes like a match on the other side of it. Yeah, this was just poor planning. Yeah, I guess you are a little more stuck here than I thought. I think I was being dismissive probably because I'm the one that's not married out of the group. Um, that you wouldn't want your group and then, you know, that that extra layer of electrons group where it's like, <laughs> hey, did you hear about so-and-so's wife or whatever? Yeah. Like, I, I can understand you not wanting that. I, I personally, but I think I'd have to be married to have a real, like, I just wouldn't care. I just, I would be like, whatever, but I'm not married. So I don't, I don't think I'm a good source here. All right. Next email. Kyle's lost McSorley shirts. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Ryan, Kyle, Steve, big fan of the pod. I tried to get a ticket to Gramercy, but it was, uh, not going to happen. All right. Um, I don't have a life advice question at the moment. That's great, man. Sounds like things are going really well. I heard in the last pod, some ass stole Kyle's McSorley shirts from the green room as a New York City transplant from the Bay Area. It would be my pleasure to send Kyle and his wife replacement shirts free of charge. I'm also a big fan of McSorley's and I've always taken uh, friends and family to town there. When we grab some beers, just let me know your sizes and address. I would ship them to and happy to do so on me. Congrats to Kyle and your wife for the wedding. Wow. Light or dark. Am I right, guy? Uh, no, that's okay. She was. Uh... She was actually pretty, pretty drunk that night. She's not even as upset as I thought she was going to be. Um, so that's okay. She's like, I don't even know if she remembers that we got those shirts. So it's all right. I don't need you to do that. But that was, that was really nice of you. I'll be back to at McSorley's whenever I get dragged down to the city. That's for sure. But thank you. All right. I don't want to <laughs> give you my address either. Okay. No address guy now. <laughs> I mean, no. You're at no address. When did you pivot from here's my address for free shit to uh, I don't know that I want to do that anymore. Um. Well, I'd give it to like companies or guys with small businesses, but just like a guy who's like, hey, man, I've got something I want to send you. Um, even if it's like a nice, nicely crafted email, I'm just maybe not. When I used to go into the office more, I used to give people the ringer office. But now like the Spotify thing's so weird. I don't know how that even works. So like I haven't figured out the whole mail forwarding to the Spotify office. But the, the old the old ringer office, I'd I'd give that one to everyone. Mm. Yeah, unless it's a pair of sneakers or a solo. Those are out the door. Yeah, well, uh, you, know, you didn't really even trust me enough to let me handle that. You just waited until they were gone. You're like, hey, what the fuck is going on with the sneakers? And I'm like, ah, I'm scared. I don't know. Well, like, I think because I, I know, I know, I know without knowing. I know that there was a certain group of people that they would see a box of sneakers from me and be like, fuck him. <laughs> like I was in charge. Yeah. That'll well, be a story told. Another not mad, though. Not mad. <laughs> no, very <laughs> mad. <laughs> still. Not about the sneakers. About a small group of people. Uh, all right. Woo. Next email. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so people at work are trying to fuck my career up. <laughs> <laughs> Three people are laughing very hard right now. All right. Um, let's see. Bachelor party. Want to watch a boxing match okay here we go Six two two ten. basketball comp is brady he that's good yeah I like that one that is a really good one all right uh one of my college buddies is getting married and i was invited to the bachelor party the weekend of july 29th we're renting a cabin at the lake have plans to go out friday night hang out at the water saturday then i've been told by the best man that we were just going to be chilling and drinking whiskey at the cabin on saturday night 
So the best man's in charge of this. However, that Saturday night's also uh, on the calendar, one of the most highly anticipated bouts since Kyle's wedding. Uh-oh, that's a good uh, joke. 39-0, Bud Crawford against 29-0, Errol Spence. This fight has been years in the making and is the best non-heavyweight boxing match in a long, long time. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest boxing fan, but I'm a huge Bud Crawford fan. He's from Omaha, and so is my dad, so I've followed him for a long time, watching every pay-per-view fight over the last 10 years and even attend a couple fights in person. All right, so to say you're not a huge boxing fan, you've watched everyone. Like, all right, I get the home connection. You are way in on this guy. You are way in. You've been looking forward to this, but it's also the bachelor party. So the issue I've run into is that no one else going on the bachelor party, including the groom, really cares about this fight. My selfish hope is that I can buy the pay-per-view, take over the TV, watch the fight, anyone wants to join me can but i want to hear your thoughts on one is this an asshole move i know it's not my weekend and i don't want to ruin their other plans but i've already been told saturday night is just a whiskey at the cabin night i would think a good fight even for people who don't really care could enhance the vibes i actually agree with that i yep. don't quite understand why you can't have something on tv usually tvs are on when people get together um if they are demanding that everyone stand outside or sit on the porch and look at the lake like the sound bath. <laughs> you could do it before the fight. You could do it after the fight. There's a lot of hours in a day to play with. If only like two of them, maybe not even two, could be even less of the fight. Uh, number two is how do I go about trying to make this happen? I'm one of the few non-groomsmen that is part of the bachelor party, so I'm definitely aware I'm not a core guy to this groom. Very good point. Great self-awareness. Uh, thank you for adding that context. But I am really close with the best man and some of the groomsmen, so I'm not just some random fringe guy. Sounds like you're not either. Again, do I try to build this into the itinerary ahead of time? Wait until the weekend and bring it up? Or do I just not tell anyone, go hide for an hour or so and watch it on my phone? I really don't understand why this would be that big of an issue. I've done the bachelor party at the hotel. Uh, I've done the bachelor party where everybody's in the same house. By the way, like, uh, how many nights are you drinking? Is it just Friday? Are you guys going Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Because there's a really good chance if you're going back to back the first two nights and then Saturdays, they're going to want to watch this, mm -hmm. you know? I also don't like the guy that's so in charge of this, which is not what you're saying you are. I think you've made that case. But the best man whose call all of this stuff is, like, you know, I've had different friends from different groups, and you're like, what What am I supposed to do? Stand next to you more this weekend <laughs> to prove that I like you? To prove that I'm all in on this? Because, again, I was always the dude who would take off and, like, goes to another room and watch a game or whatever. And then it became like just mandatory that I was like, look, at some point I got to get my eyes on the shit here. Um, I, uh, I, I think you're totally fine. I don't know. Like if you're not getting good feedback, that whiskey Saturday late cap, like Saturday is like only these things. And that's the way it's going to go because I'm in charge and all that stuff. Like if that's the resistance that you're already getting before you do this, I would just wait it out. I would let the weekend play it out because I know dudes pretty well. And if you're going to come out hot early, some guys may even hit it during the day. Dudes are going to be worn out. A couple bodies are going to fall. They're not even going to like, I just don't think this isn't your dad where he's making you do something where it's like it's family time and family time is the most important thing. Put you know? your phone away. <laughs> right. That's that's not what this is. You're all adults here. I'd say just order the fight. Let's make sure there's a way to cover it on the rental and all that so no one can bring that back to you. Like, oh, you ordered the fight and then he didn't even do this. And now the guy in the Airbnb and all this shit's happening. I think you're totally fine going, ordering it, maybe even throwing it around to a couple guys casually if you don't get great feedback. But then again, if these guys know you that well, as you said, you're not a fringe guy, you're not a core guy, but they know you. You're like, oh, dude, he's watched every one of his fights. Dad's from the same town. 
went to a place. Do you have you even been to Omaha, dude? 311? So I think you're totally within your rights, knowing how these bachelor parties go, that guys are on absolute fumes on the last night. There's probably going to be a couple other people who be like, yeah, I'll watch this fight with you. Maybe a couple shekels on the side. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think you have to worry about any of this other than best man who, I don't know that you've mapped it out that he's a complete dictator here. But some guys can be dictators, and then they say it has to be this way, this way, this way, this way, and then all of that shit falls apart when dudes are together drinking for multiple days in a row. Can't attest, but um, I would say, I'd say you could even like, if you like, you are close with the best man, so you could have floated it to him. But if you're saying you'd rather not, I think you could have just had it that day and been like, "Look what I got for us, boys! Look at my contribution to this awesome weekend." You could do it like that too. That's a great right. call. Unless outside cabin Lake whiskey planner well you guys you guys you know on your way in for more beers or something i'll just be in here watching the fight for this you know you don't have to watch every single fight on the card right i mean you really only care about this one thing you can mute it for the rest of the time whatever i don't think i I don't think asking for those a couple minutes that the fight you know that the fight that specific fight's going to be honest too much yeah i i think first off whiskey night is like the perfect night for this if this was a different night if it was like get at real get after it night where you're playing drinking games i'm like that's more of a problem to me but the whiskey night is the night i mean we did this at the bachelor party i was just at in maine we it was the sunday we had just we had, you know we had been drinking the two nights before it was our last night there and we was kind of like a chill whiskey night hanging out and we watched like the stanley cup finals and it was awesome because everybody was like not in full crazy mode Everyone's kind of winding down. We got to drive back the next day. And it's like it's it's a great thing to just sit around and like watch something with your dudes. I would say like a boxing fight is sneaky, like the best sporting event you could watch at a bachelor party, too, because it's fighting. Dudes are kind of like in that cannibalistic kind of thing uh, or not cannibalistic. They're in like, I don't know. They're just like in that like primal thing where they're just like, all right, we're with a bunch of dudes. Like, let's watch somebody two guys fight each other. <laughs> um, I think you can get some people just camaraderie there. I think this is a good idea. I think and I think more people, if you're not into boxing, will be like, yeah, I want to watch this fight. And if you and if if nobody else wants to watch and you want to do it on your own, there's plenty of guys that just disappear for an hour or two on a bachelor party. So I don't I don't think either way. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not like the guy like remember the guy at the live show who was going what was it his like girl he was going to Ireland for his girl's grandma's like 90th birthday party or something. He wanted to watch yeah. the Jets game. This is yeah. not that. Like you're fine here. That's way more like whoa. I don't know if you actually watch the game. This you should watch the game either way. It's just whether or not you're going to watch it with your buddies or not. The only reason, unless he's completely overthinking it, which could be the case, right? Or he's hinting at us that the best man kind of feels like, no, because there will be those people. Um, Hopefully you can avoid them, but there are going to be those people where like when they're in charge of things and they're planning it all out, they take it as like the massive insult that it isn't when it's like, no, I actually kind of like going to do go do this. Now, granted, like if the guy organized a golf part of the weekend and you're like i'm actually gonna go for a hike like that's a fuck you to him planning it planning out the numbers probably doing a deposit at the golf course like you know that i think sometimes when you're younger too you're like wait how does it work you're like yeah we all make a deposit and then we all get the reservations and we all go and like the numbers are super important when it comes to golf and like you'd be like oh yeah not gonna make it you know (laughs) like that that either you figure that out or you stop getting invited to stuff this seems to be I think we've talked about it too much already. Uh, I think it's a very, very simple move here that at some point, like the equivalent is if you guys had late flights, or I, I don't know, you could say it differently, but like what if it was a divisional round of the NFL playoffs? What if it was conference championship? Like 
at some point somebody's going to go watch this. Um, this might be different because it's boxing and it's not the NFL, but a guy watching an hour plus of a sporting event during a bachelor party when you're you're not going to have that much time where you're forced to sit next to each other. So I think you're fine, dude. I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bring it up. I would just go like maybe day of be like, hey, I'm definitely going to order the fight tonight. Like, and I'll pay for it. So whatever. And if any of you guys want to throw some money down, let me know. And then, you know, I'll come out and have whiskeys before the fight when the undercard, I'll come out, whatever. Like, I just, I think it's weird if guys are going to be like, no, you have to hang out with us at seven. <laughs> like, you have to hang out with us. You have to sit outside with us because that's what we're here for this weekend. Um, that would be excessive and annoying. That's life advice. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Uh, enjoy the rest of your holiday. And we'll be back on Thursday.